Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports where we are a guy and a girl who just really love to talk all things sports or interview people who love sports as much as we do. So if you love sports, make sure you're tuning in every Monday and every Thursday for a new episode of A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. And thank you guys so much for listening to A Guy and a Girl Talk Sports. If you guys wouldn't mind, please leave a rating and a review and don't forget to subscribe so you can get the latest and greatest. And if you want a little daily fix of a guy and a girl talk sports, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at GG Talk Sports. Welcome back to GG Talk Sports, guys. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever it is for you guys, we hope you're doing fantastic. So we're just going to jump into today's highlights, and then we're going to have a massive discussion on just the NBA playoffs round one. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into the highlights because I'm pumped to talk about the NBA playoffs. So the NFL just released that they had a couple of positive COVID tests. Apparently, all 11 teams that faced these positive tests were assigned the same testing lab in New Jersey. It gets a little more strange. There were roughly 77 tests ran that were positive. All 77 then came back negative once they were rerun. And all 11 teams that faced this were the Browns, the Bills, the Eagles, the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, the Lions, the Bears, Packers, Steelers, and Vikings. A lot of teams. A lot of teams. So I just wanted to kind of poise this question to you and also Steph. Is it smart to isolate a backup quarterback in case something like this happens? So let's just say, for example, this is the only case in my eyes that this would actually be a positive. So let's say in the Bears, you have Nick Foles and you have Trubisky competing for the quarterback job. One of them takes the first spot. We'll just go with who I'm biased for. Nick Foles (laughs) is the starting quarterback. Yeah. Let's say he tests positive. He then has to isolate, and then you only have Trubisky. So now the Bears are back to the original situation that they were in a year ago. He might not perform. He might perform. You never know. But now you have to kind of sideline your QB1 because of this instance when he originally should have tested negative because it was a false test. Yeah. I think the false negatives or even false positives, there's false on both sides of the spectrum. I think both of those make it extremely tricky. To your point, if it's a false positive and then you have to sideline somebody and quarantine somebody, then it puts your team in a definite disadvantage, especially if it's a starter, because then that person has to sit out, come to find out if they retest it and it's actually negative, then they sat out for no reason, and then you're at a disadvantage for no reason. So it gets super tricky with this testing. I think that's a big thing is just like the validity of some of these test results, which makes it extremely hard um, to kind of make the correct decisions. So it kind of brings me to a question I want to ask you. Would you isolate a QB? To make sure that he was going to be available in case of something like this? I mean, it kind of, it's not a terrible idea. I mean, I still don't think that I would isolate the QB without even having tested positive. I think I would still only isolate somebody if they tested positive. Just because, like, at the end of the day, once again, everybody's theory on coming back to play sports is that there's risk involved. And you're just going to have to deal with the risk if you're wanting to play. So I think if they're going to follow, if they're going to follow that philosophy for bringing sports back, then they have to stick with that philosophy around bringing in players, isolating players, you expect them to play, and if they test positive, then you isolate them. But that's just my thought. See, I'm a little different. I would throw somebody, like, let's just say, for example, there's somebody who's not playing, not signed by a team, and he's a decently good quarterback, and you could actually see him being on your team, but you just don't want to sign him. You say, hey, man, if you isolate yourself during the season, I'll pay you every single week or every single month, and God forbid something happens... I might need you to be prepared to come and play, but I need you to isolate and stay healthy because I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, but that's very different than isolating your starting quarterback. My bad. Maybe I poised it wrong. Would you just isolate a quarterback in general to ensure that your team had a quarterback for game one, game six, the Super Bowl, whatever the case might be? 
No, I still don't think I would do that either. I mean, it is a good idea to just have somebody kind <laughs> right? of like I mean, on your roster who's sitting at home but ready to play. But at the end of the day, too, if you're quarantining them, isolating them during that entire period, are they even going to be useful when they come in because they haven't literally done anything but sit on the couch or maybe worked out, but they haven't done anything with the team. That's so true. that's hard, too, because they've just been sitting at home. All right, that's a, that's a great counter argument to mine <laughs> yeah all right so moving on because that was a great way to just kind of give both sides of the spectrum earl thomas hey i oh, know so the ravens have made an official statement they're going to cut him or i believe try and trade him i'm not sure if it's already been solidified one or the other but either way man it, just, it sucks to say this so apparently he was at a practice i'm not going to say any teammates names or anything like this but he raised his fist to his teammates during an altercation um Earl's been in trouble for two years now, I feel like. Yeah, I think he's just always trying to start fights or, like, just thinks everything needs to turn into a literal fist fight. And I just don't think, like, I get that these are all, like, physical, you know, <laughs> pumped up dudes. Yeah. But also, like, you don't need to start a fight with all your teammates. That's well, just supposed not to be your brother. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're, like, turning on the people you're supposed to be on the same team as. And if there's multiple people on multiple teams wanting to fight him or starting arguments with him, it kind of feels like... Maybe he's a problem because people can't get along with him. I also just don't know how much I trust him anymore. And I, I don't know him personally, so I'm yeah. not going to say I ever trusted him because I don't know him. But, I mean, think about his off-the-field you know, off the field issues that he had as well. We don't yeah. need to get into that because it's, it's terrible to hear about. But, he, he, I don't know. I hope he's all right. That's yeah. all. I hope he's good. But now the speculation is that the Cowboys are going to pick <sighs> him up, yeah. which is not shocking to me. We'll see if that actually goes through or not. So, moving on, Jason Wright has been named Washington football team president He's the first black person in NFL history to have this position, and he's also the youngest at age 38. Yeah, that's super awesome for him. He's obviously breaking barriers in multiple ways with his age, with being the first African-American. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that he has done that has put him in a great position, and he is, I think he's going to do an amazing job, too. And oh, that for sure. And he needs him desperately to come in and just really straighten out the organization. Um, I think that the team itself has been fine. It's obviously like the ownership and higher up, so maybe he can have a good influence there on riding the ship a bit. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the greatest hire personally for them. I think he's going to bring a great outlook, a great, actually, I mean, football acumen. Yeah, He's exactly. the next player, so that's even a great, you know, kind of fantastic pickup for a president. So I think that's an awesome hire for Washington. I do want to take this time and say prayers to Ron Rivera and his family. Yeah. He was just diagnosed with lympho... Lymph node cancer. Lymph node cancer, correct. Thank you for that. Um, so just want to take a time, take a second, and say prayers to him and his family and hope he gets well. And now we're going to move on to the NHL playoffs. So the Washington Capitals got rid of their head coach. Do you guys think that they should have paid Barry Trotz or instead obviously made the move that they made and hired their assistant, Todd Reardon, who in the past two years has taken a team who won the Stanley Cup to a team who keeps getting eliminated early in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's very hard. In my personal opinion, I think that coaches get the brunt of all non-success of a team, which is rightfully so, like, for the most part. But I think this season, it just feels a bit unfair to be firing coaches based on coming back after, like, being away for four months. So I think firing a coach after coming back after four months away from the sport and then losing in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I mean, I think it's just rough to fire somebody after this scenario just because like it's so weird and so hard to bring a team back together so quickly and get them organized and get them ready to play that I think it's hard to fire somebody under these circumstances same thing that's happened in the NBA too yeah I think that was actually where I was going to pull my kind of example from I think that's a great point 
is, I don't know, I agree. I don't think it's fair to fire the coaches, but I will say during this time when teams are in bubbles, yeah, this is when you see coaches thrive that are meant to thrive. Yeah, I agree. You can definitely see the divide a bit between coaches who can clearly like have an in with their team. They have a really good influence over their team. They know exactly how to get their team together. And then there's some who just aren't able to kind of get a team going. Yeah, so I want to pull it back to the NHL for a minute because I want to discuss these second round playoffs that are currently going on. So we have the Las Vegas Knights taking on the Vancouver Canucks. We have the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Dallas Stars. We have the Philadelphia Flyers taking on the New York Islanders. And the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Boston Bruins. Yeah, there's some really good matchups. Um, we've watched a few games already, and they're looking really good. They're looking close. Um, I think it's just going to continue to be competitive. Obviously, a lot of these teams um, are either the lower seed that took out a higher seed, um, or they're evenly matched teams. So I think the competition is just going to continue to be really good. And we've still seen a lot. I mean, it's a Stanley Cup playoff, so we've seen a lot of aggression. I will say there's been a ton of hitting in the bubble. Maybe it's because they're by themselves and they just can smack away. I don't know. But either way, it's been a lot of fun to watch the NHL playoffs because at the end of the day, playoff hockey really is a -a one-of-a-kind spectacle. So if you haven't tuned in, please check it out. And now we're going to move on to Major League Baseball. So the two front runners, one in the American, obviously, and one in the National League, we have Oakland sitting at 20 and 9, and we have the Dodgers sitting at 22 and 8. And we're not going to discuss MLB too much because we're just kind of watching it all happen right now. Kind of just honestly just taking it all in. Yeah, we're kind of looking at it just game by game. At this point, obviously, it's still a weird season. They have about like 30 games left, I think, still. Um, and I think it's going to just get interesting as we get down closer to the playoffs because of how weird the season has been and how short it's been. It's going to be a race to the finish line. Yeah, that's a great point. It brings me into one point that I did want to make. I was just sitting in bed watching some of the MLB last night, and I, I was literally, I don't know why, I just looked at Steph and I was like, Steph, I have a very weird question to ask you. I have no idea how this got into my head, but I was curious if there were more home runs a game last season when there were a ton of fans and everything was normal or this season when there were no fans and everything's been kind of very strange. So obviously these stats aren't close into equivalency because there's a lot more games that were played last year than this year, but I don't know, it was very interesting what I came up with. So there were 6,776 games played last season, and that turned into 2.79 home runs a game. There have been 1,035 games played this season, and that's turned into 1.32 home runs a game. Yeah. So, I guess, I mean, it is less home runs per game this season, which is kind of weird because I feel Isn't like all I see is, like, highlights of people hitting home runs. But at the end of the day, too, like, they're just, they're putting those out as highlights because, I mean, there's such a short season. But it is interesting because you would think that maybe without fans they could really focus in, but maybe it's opposite. Maybe the fans just really get them going and get them pumped up and get them locked in. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was a weird stat. Very interesting stat when I actually figured out the numbers. So let us know what you guys think, though. GG Talk Sports. And that's going to bring us into the WNBA. So Candace Parker reached over 5,500 total points so far in her WNBA career. And that put her at 16th all-time. So congratulations to Candace Parker. That's incredible. And staying in the basketball realm, we're just going to give a shout-out to Kobe and his family. Prayers to him. It was his birthday yesterday, so he would have been 42. Uh, so yeah, just, just wanted to at least say that in the podcast and that's going to wrap up our highlights and take us into the GG of the episode. So Steph, what is the GG of the episode? So the GG of the episode is usually a big fat L that we hand out to somebody or some organization who did something stupid or something they shouldn't have done. We usually try and bring a little bit of comic relief to the situation and just give somebody a GG. Yeah. So this one goes out to Mike Milbury and I want to hear what you have to say more than me really, because 
honestly, you're a woman and I'm not. Yeah. Um, so Mike Milbury is suspended indefinitely, or at least for this season, for saying that women essentially are a distraction to male athletes. I th- I, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I mean... Man, I just think that's so stupid. To be totally honest, like, why do you even think you need to say a comment like that? Do you really think that brings any value to anybody listening to your commentary? No. Do you really think that women are actually a distraction to men? No. Think about all these men sitting around without any women in their life. I highly doubt they're super pumped about sitting around without any women in their lives. Like, I guarantee that they would choose to have women there next to them if they could. 100%. And... I can guarantee you that there's a lot of players, probably a majority of players, who wish that they can check back in with their wives or their girlfriends after a game to release some tension, so release what happened the game before, to be able to talk through it, to be able to just, like, move on. I guarantee you women are much more of a help than a distraction, and also it's just so unnecessary to say that, so a little bit of an F you for that one, because (laughs) I don't think that that's accurate at all, and I just think it's way out of line. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. It makes no sense to me. It's completely uncalled for. It doesn't make any sense to even say. I don't know how there's justification behind it. Personally, from my firsthand experience, whenever you spent the night with me before a game or whenever I got to hang out with you before a game or even a few hours before I would have to go, I mean, I felt better. I liked having you there. If you were in the stands and I actually got to see you during the runout or the walkouts, it made me feel good. Yeah. So I don't really know... I feel bad for his wife if he if he is married. <laughs> I don't know true. if he is actually, but I mean, I feel bad for his wife. I feel bad for his girlfriend, whatever the case may be, because clearly you need a better relationship. Yeah, and I just think, once again, that's just such a sexist comment because women are not a distraction. So let's just move on from that because I just think that's such an unfair and, like you were going to say, an unjustified comment because there's no justification to that. There's no logic to that. It's just... He threw it out there, and obviously it wasn't the right thing to say. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to move on to one thing before we get into our topic. We just want to do a quick shout-out to Resilience CBD. They are sponsoring, not this episode, but they sponsor GG Talk Sports in general. So we just want to give them a quick shout-out on the pod, say thank you so much for everything. We love y'all's products. And if you guys want to check out the episode that we did with them, go check it out. It's a few episodes back. It was a really great time being able to talk with one of their co-founders, and just learn about everything and anything CBD. So give them a check out, resiliencecbd.com. All right, guys, so let's get into our topic. I'm excited to talk about this. NBA playoffs, round one. Damn, it's been fantastic. Ooh, there's been so much going on. And I think one thing I want to ask you before we even get into the discussion is... Uh-oh, you got questions set up. Let's get it. Do you think that you have seen better basketball in the bubble than you have outside the bubble? Meaning, everybody says, like, you know... Just an open place is a shooter's best, you know, situation. And this is just uh, basically not even an arena, but just a room with a court set up in it. Do you think that you've seen better basketball in the bubble or outside of the bubble? That's a great question. I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think you have times where you have teams that obviously you can tell didn't get a chance to practice or maybe they didn't click as quickly as some other teams. And then you have other teams who have just been clicking on all cylinders like the, the Blazers, honestly. Yeah. But I will say in terms of performances... I feel like it's been very similar. If you think about it, the playoffs are where players shine. I mean, LeBron's always going to put up those crazy stat lines. Dame's always had fantastic performances in the playoffs. Now, don't get me wrong. Those three games or that three-game span that Dame had is unprecedented to anything that I personally think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, 
well, maybe not ever seen, but definitely probably top five performances. And so I think it's been very similar, but I will say the lack of fans or like the lack of that just amped up atmosphere. Like, for example, like we were talking last night, the Mavs Clippers game in Dallas game four when Luca goes off for like 40, 17 and 10 or something like that. That place would have been rocking. Yeah, I definitely like the fans add an entirely different atmosphere, obviously. And then that brings in the question, do you think you would have missed? Because that is just amped up pressure. So I, I do feel like the amount of pressure that's in the bubble maybe is different. Or yeah. maybe less, in my opinion, in my outlook. Right. But that could be completely different because you're stuck in a bubble thinking about sports 24-7. You know, you play a game... You go to the, the locker room, you go get your rehab, you go back to your, I don't know, your room, watch film, yeah, whatever the case might be, and then you wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think what about you? Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think I have seen a bit of better shooting maybe um, yeah. in the bubble, and I think that could also, to your point, be related to fans not being there, but I also just think like the environment that they've created seems like a shooter's like dream. True. So I do think that there's been a bit of a better shooting situation. I do think like another comment that you made, they were talking about Kyle Lowry had like an ankle injury, and we can get into that matchup obviously in a minute, but... He had an ankle injury, and then they were saying, like, he's going to have a week break between the end of this series and the start of the second round, likely. But it's not like in a normal situation where he could go home and he can be at home for a week and be resting up. Like, no, for a straight week, he just has to sit in a hotel room getting treatment and just, like, sit around. He can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. So that's just another thing that I think is starting to maybe creep in a little bit. There is, like, conversation about maybe some family members being allowed soon, but I don't know. It's just a weird concept of the bubble. Well, there's also no travel day. That's another thing that we brought up is that there's no in-between travel day in these rounds. Yeah. So So it goes game, rest, game, rest, game, rest. Normally, it's game, rest, game, rest, travel, game. Yeah. And I do wish, like, maybe after the bubble, obviously, we could get somebody on who was actually in the bubble, but I am curious if game, rest, game, rest, and no travel day is more exhausting or if it's less exhausting because you're playing like you're not getting an extra day for travel which is also still kind of rest like i'm curious to know if it's more exhausting to have only one day off in between every game rather than a longer break in between switching venues i don't know i'd be curious to know yeah i know i agree that is that's a really fascinating point because you're taking out a whole extra day of technically rest, but also yeah. you're using kind of that mental headspace and you're having to be up and moving and traveling and sitting in a plane or car, whatever the case may be. So that's a great point. And in the situations where you maybe have to like change time zones, sure. like that yeah. could be hard to adjust. So it'd be interesting. We'll see if we can figure that out from someone. All right. So we're just going to go down the list in terms of series and I don't know, just maybe give a couple highlights, yeah, thoughts, opinions, whatever the hell we want to talk about. Yeah. We got LA versus Portland. This has been a great series. You got two to one, LA's leading. Yes. So I definitely think that LA has gained the momentum at this point in time. They've definitely clicked in. Honestly, the only thing that's really, I mean, King James obviously has turned it on a bit more than what we saw in the first game and in the first eight seeding games. But I think the person that's really been the most impressive and the actual like factor in them winning the last two games has definitely been Anthony Davis. He's turned it on and he's pretty much hitting from everywhere. So I definitely think that he has been the game changer a bit for the Lakers. We obviously already expect LeBron to step up in the playoffs. That's his MO. But I think Anthony Davis has kind of been the game changer for them so far in the last two games. Yeah. How do you feel about Portland, though? And I definitely think that Portland, I mean, Portland in game two was just a fluke. I mean, nobody could make a shot, which is so unlike Portland. 
Um, also, Dame obviously dislocated his finger, so he was out for the fourth quarter, which is normally Dame time. So I think that game is just like an X that one out. That one doesn't really count. It does count, obviously, but game three was much closer. I do think they are struggling a little bit. I don't know if it's maybe they're a bit tired because, I mean, they've played hard for a lot longer than the Lakers have. Um, but I just think that they're a bit off. I don't. Ex- I expect them to still bounce back, but I just think that they've been a little bit off. Yeah, I agree. It's tough for me to really say that Portland's going to pull the series out after just everything that they've had to endure. And this is just, I feel like this is just a reoccurring theme with them. Everything that they always have to uh, just endure and everything they just always have to face in terms of adversity every season in and out. But it just really is unfortunate because, I mean, CJ McCollum has a fractured back. Dame has a dislocated finger. I mean, Nurkic lost his grandmother in the bubble. And that's not taken away because I know, like, Trez also lost his grandmother and stuff. So, I mean, no excuses, and yeah. I'm sure they would be the first to say that, but it just sucks that you don't have a healthy Dame. At least a healthy Dame. Yeah. Um, but still, I think that Portland maybe takes one more game, Yeah. but I think that the Lakers are just, they're just too much right now for them to handle. Yeah, I agree, sadly. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we got the Houston Rockets taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The series is 2-1 to one Houston. Is Westbrook coming back this series? I don't know. I What's think, your opinion, I guess? Because that's that's not – nobody's said anything yet, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any reports on him coming back. And I don't think that technically he's supposed to come back, at least in the next game or two. But I think knowing Westbrook and knowing how competitive he is, watching that overtime loss for them to the Thunder, I, I think is definitely going to rile him up, wanting him to come back even more than he probably already did. Um, so I just think that he probably still won't come back, assuming that the Rockets can pull out this next game. But if they don't, I see him coming back, or at least begging, basically, to come back. Yeah, I think if Houston goes up 3-1, to one, I think you don't see Westbrook. If Houston goes 2-2, two to two, I think you see Westbrook. Yeah. But I, I, I want to ask you a question. Is this overtime win more of a confidence booster for Oklahoma City? Or if you're the Rockets, you're sitting there and they're like, man, they had to go through all that shit and take us to OT just to get a dub? I mean, I'm all right. I honestly think it's a bit more of a confidence booster for the Thunder just because they needed to get that first win, and I don't think that they care what it took to get it. I think they just probably feel confident that they could pull it out. I think a lot of times they are, like, the most clutch team in the NBA, so I don't think that they're they're obviously used to winning at the end of games. But But not playoffs, though. I mean, I know. I think... Oh, is that what you were going to say? Sorry. Yeah. I think being able to do it in the playoffs is a whole different story, so I think being able to do that gives them a big confidence boost. The Rockets may still feel that way, too. They may still feel like, hey, it's fine. They had to go to overtime just to get one yeah. game. But I think it's really a big confidence boost for the Thunder. Yeah, I agree. Especially, I can't remember who I was talking to on our Instagram, GG Talk Sports. But we were talking about this series and how just the Thunder historically have always kind of not been so great in the playoffs. And so to be able to get this dub and be able to get at least one on the board yeah. hopefully gives you a little bit of confidence. They're taking on a beast of a team in Houston. I think it's a really bad matchup for them, in my opinion. Lou Dort, though, shout out. Mm-hmm. Man, my God. Some good defense. Fantastic defense. If I'm him, or if I'm Billy Donovan, I think I maybe just put him in every single second Harden's in. I yeah. mean, personally. <laughs> Probably. But that's just my take on that. All right, let's move on. We got Denver taking on Utah. This has been a weird series. Um, it's 1-3 to three Utah. Steph and I were very indifferent on this game. And the reason why I'm breaking up my words is because I'm losing right now, and I don't yeah. like to lose. Um, so, Steph, I'm just going to kind of let you take the floor. Yeah, so I think the Utah Jazz have just turned it on. They obviously, like, smoked them in the second game. Um, And then once, because they had Mike Conley back, basically. So Mike Conley came back, and he has just been on fire. I think in the first game, Donovan Mitchell tried to carry them as much as he could. 
but obviously they just needed like one more impact player, which has been Mike Conley. So I just think that they have the firepower now. It's going to be hard for the Nuggets to keep them from winning one more game. I don't know what it is with NBA players or fathers having a newborn baby, but if you look at last year, Fred Van Vliet had a newborn child and went the hell off in the playoffs. Yeah. Mike Conley has a newborn child, and now he's going off in the playoffs. Yeah. Lucky charms. Take notes, guys. Yeah. Anyways, I think that you're right. Mike Conley has been the X factor in this, and I love to see him healthy and playing great. But Donovan Mitchell, I mean, dude has been on a tear. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think that Denver just, they're really missing Michael Porter Jr.'s scoring ability that he had in the first eight games. He also didn't start last game. I'm, I'm cool with that decision. I don't think it's a bad one. So, I don't know. It's a tough. They got an uphill battle. I think they're not going to win. Yeah. I think they win one more game, and then I think Utah takes it. I think it's like a six-game series, personally. So, I don't know. It sucks, though, because I picked <laughs> yeah. Denver. But it is what it is. Good call, Steph. We sat next to Donovan Mitchell, and she'll never not pick Utah now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's move on. we got the Clippers taking on the Mavs. This is probably my favorite series, personally. It's tied 2-2 two two because <laughs> Luka Magic and... You ready? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. So the Mavs pull out game four without Kristaps Porzingis in because he had a sore knee. Suck it up. Put and some icy hot. I'm sorry, Kristaps. That was mean. Oh boy. I'm sorry. That was mean, but I just, personal. Unless they're not letting them play. Yeah, that's true. There's there's different things that could be going on that's behind true. the scenes. That's true. But Luca still managed to pull them through and will them to win and hit a insane game winner. In overtime. Is he the greatest 21-year-old ever to play in the NBA? I mean, I think so. He's the youngest person to hit a game winner in the playoffs in history. So there you go. I mean, there you go. It's got to be. That's right. one of many things that he's already accomplished. I think he's also one of two to ever first four games ever in the playoffs average a triple-double. And he's only one of three oh, to do shit. a 40-plus, 10-plus, 15-plus on a triple-double in a playoff game. And who's the other two? Because Charles makes everyone say the other two. Yeah, Chuck and Oscar are the other two. Um, so good for Luca. It was an insane game. If oh, you didn't man. watch it, I'm sure you can just go scroll your Instagram and we'll you'll share find a, highlight. a replay of it. But it was a really amazing into the game. And they came back from being down 21 points in that game. So it was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was a wild game. They were down 21 then they were up by like 12, then they were down a couple, yeah. and then Luka hits a three and they win. Yeah. It was an incredible game to watch, an incredible game to be able to pull out if on the maps. Yeah. Do you think, all right, so now let's pose this question for this series. Do you think that this kind of a game or this kind of a series favors the Mavs right now or favors the Clippers? I actually think it might favor the Mavs because uh, yep. the Mavs don't have any playoff experience, so they're just literally taking it game by game. The Clippers have a lot of pressure on them to win the series because everybody expects them to win the whole thing. I don't think that, like, Paul George and I just came Oh, you said it already, damn it. <laughs> but anyways. Playoff um, P. Yeah. And Kawhi, I don't think that they're probably used to seeing this kind of firepower in the first round and to be tied 2-2. I just think there's a lot of pressure on them. So I think this actually favors the Mavs, who are just coming in like, we just want to win, so we're just going to play game by game. You know, my takeaways from this, Kawhi literally sized up Luka most of the game. I watched it. He was Luka's primary defender, and Luka still took him to school. Don't get me wrong. Kawhi was there. He was contending the shots, but Luka was making them. Or if he missed the first shot, he then outboarded the rest of the Clippers and put it back in. Yeah. I mean, I think you're seeing Luca literally show the world, yeah, look, I'm here. Like, yeah. the NBA's mine now. I'm kind of slowly taking this over. 
And the fact that Kristaps was injured. I know, wasn't even in the game. And you still got the dub. That really gives me a lot of confidence going forward. I think, and, and the fact that Paul George looks terrible. Terrible. And I've always been on Paul George's side until this year. He, yeah. He's kind of rubbed me wrong. Um, and not shown up. Karma. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. Karma. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's a really interesting series to watch. I personally think that the Mavs, going forward, are going to pull this thing out. I hope so. I think they will. I think they will. I think that the Clippers are just getting hit with so many haymakers right now. And the fact that Paul George is, I think, hitting them with haymakers himself yeah, is true. just its making it very difficult for the Clippers to get any sort of traction and kind of push this thing to the next round. Um, so moving on, Milwaukee Bucks taking on Orlando. This has been oddly fun to watch. Yeah. You got the series 2-1 Milwaukee. I think the Bucks are probably going to steamroll. Yeah. Um, after watching Toronto. Yeah, I, I think that they need to make a statement. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that they turned it on after that first game, and they definitely have made the progress and made the adjustments they needed to make and just shown up. I think the first game was just a kind of a fluke game as well. So I definitely think that they might even just win the next two games and yeah. win out the series. Um, so they at least look better because I was a little concerned after that first game. But I got to give a shout-out to Orlando because they've played really competitive. Vucevic has looked great. Terrence Ross coming off the bench. I mean, he's always been great, but he's looked fantastic. So, I mean, they've, they've tried. Yeah. They're trying still. Um, but the injuries are just kind of really, really unfortunate. Um, so, all right, how about the Indiana and Miami series? This one is 0-3 Miami. Yeah. I think they win the fourth game, um, but I've been saying that. So what do you think? Yeah, I think that they're going to win the fourth game as well, which is a little bit surprising considering the Pacers were doing pretty well in the first eight seeding games. TJ Warren. Yeah, technically TJ Warren was doing really well in those games. I just think, like, when I watch the Pacers play, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but I kind of feel like they're a bit disorganized. Like, I don't really know if they know how their pieces fit together. Like, Oladipo is in, but they can't quite all fit the pieces together. And I just think that it looks a bit disheveled and not super organized, organized enough to win a playoff series. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was close. They had a chance to win it. They yeah. had the ball in the final few seconds, and they had a play all drawn up, supposedly, mm-hmm. out of a timeout, and I, I don't know what was ran. They didn't run a play. It looked like a yeah. jumbled up, weird, disorganized bunch of guys on the court. And there's been a, there was another situation. And they lost. Let me just say that. They yeah, lost. Yeah, and they ended up losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another situation where one player was passing the ball and, like, two players were literally standing next to each other and they, like, literally ran into each other and there was a turnover. Yeah. It's like nobody could know who was being passed the ball. And then that makes you wonder, is that the coach? Because there's no way in hell that he didn't say, hey, guys, we're going to run this play. Yeah. There's no way he said, yo, just go do your thing. I don't know. Play some backyard basketball. There's no way that he said that. No, especially at the end of the game after a timeout, to your point, they definitely drew up something and it just didn't pan out. So that's why I definitely think they're a bit unorganized. I mean, Oladipo was injured, so having all their pieces back in this bubble probably And Sabonis, don't forget Sabonis. Sabonis is hurt, too. He's been out, too. So maybe it's just a, a matter of not having enough time to kind of readjust to what they had. But I really did think that this series was going to be a little closer. I did, too. But the Heat apparently clearly just spoke. Jimmy Butler, though. Even if he plays bad, he still finds a way to win. And I think that's what is fantastic about him. And I will say, can I just shout out Goran Dragic? Yeah. Because he is such a slept-on point guard. He might not be the most flashy. He might not be the most talented. But he is the most team-first. I will say a lot of commentators and people, analysts are talking about like the depth of like the Clippers. But how about the depth of the Heat? 
I mean, you had Tyler Hero coming off the bench, and Iggy? I don't even know how many threes he hit, but True. he was on fire. So I think that there's some depth there, too, that people aren't really looking at. Duncan Robinson? I know. Iggy? I mean, too. you got a great... Well, he's looked good. Yeah. A good defender coming off the bench, too. Experience so. in the playoffs. Experience. So Jay Crowder. I mean, the last few minutes of that possession against the Pacers, you really saw. Listen to their lineup. It was Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler... Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo. Yeah. That is a freaking basketball acumen lineup. Oh, yeah. So I think that they have some good success ahead of them, and I definitely think they will probably just sweep this series, if I had to guess. All right, so moving on to the two teams that actually have made it to round two, and it's kind of fascinating that both teams swept, and now they're in round two to face each other. You And, and this sucks, because I actually like both teams. I would like to see them move on to the, to the finals and play each other, or to the conference championship and play each other, but that's all right. You got the Boston Celtics taking on the Toronto Raptors. Man, that's, that's going to be a series and a half. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a series and a half. So the Toronto Raptors ended up sweeping the Brooklyn Nets, which is not surprising because the Brooklyn Nets obviously have so many injuries, and they don't even have their star players who they're counting on. Um, so I think that... Kind of similar for Boston sweeping the, the 76ers, though. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they're the teams that they swept just had too many injuries. Um, and also, I, I will say that like the Brooklyn Nets were super impressive. I hope that they keep Vaughn, who is like the interim head coach. Same. I really hope that they keep him because what he was able to do with that team, who literally probably had no hope of winning, what they did in the first eight seeding games. And it, they put up a good fight against the Raptors. The Raptors are just too good. Um, so I just kind of hope that they keep him as a coach. But... It's going to be interesting to see what they do next season. And then the 76ers obviously don't have Ben Simmons, which is hard. And I just think that they're also, I don't really know what's going on with them in general. I think that they are not committed enough, meaning Joel Embiid mostly. Yeah, I don't know. Joel Embiid is such a hit-and-miss player in my eyes. Sometimes he's doing fantastic, and he's arguably one of the best big men to come into the game in the past 10 years, 20 years. And then he's sometimes the biggest flop in the NBA. Literally, that was hilarious. Kemba broke his ankles, and then he acted like Kemba pushed him off. Yeah. <laughs> and if Kemba did push him off, Kemba's like six foot. Yeah. Joe Embiid's seven. Yeah. Probably 260. Right. I don't think Kemba's form is going to really push you down that hard. No, I don't think so. So, I don't know. I guess like the, there's big speculation around the 76ers in the offseason, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, to your point, now the Celtics face up with the Raptors, and I mm. definitely don't think that series is going to be a sweep. So they got their one-and-done sweep, and now they have a massive matchup between each other. If the Celtics can get through this series, they win it all. I mean, I think that's a fair thing to say, because it's going to be a tough, tough out to get rid of the Raptors. This is their toughest battle in the East, in my but personal opinion. Kyle Lowry, we haven't heard anything about his injury yet, and that could be huge. I guess he did say, to my point earlier, that he might have a week off, so likely as long as like his x-rays and MRIs yeah. came back fine, then he should be fine, but that's a big factor. That's a massive factor, especially when you have to take into consideration they don't have Kawhi. Yeah. I mean, it's all spicy P, him, Fred Van Vliet. Actually, Serge Ibaka has looked really great. Yeah, he looks like OKC days. Yeah, he does, so it's, it's uh -huh. great to see, um, but I think I got to stick with Boston because exactly. I picked the Celtics to win it all. But I don't think this is going to be some 4-0 series. I think this is going to get pushed to 6, maybe 7. Yeah. If I was going to guess, it, it probably goes 6. Maybe it's like a 4-2. Mm -hmm. But, man, it's going to be one hell of a series. This is going to be a great... Mm -hmm. I mean, the thing that I think I'm maybe most excited for is the coaching. Oh, yeah. Because you sure. have two great young coaching minds sitting across from, or, or I guess next to one another. Yeah. Going at it like a game of chess. 
but with athletics. I mean, you yeah. cannot be more excited for this kind of a matchup. So I'm looking forward to it. What about you? Because I know that you definitely think. Who do you want to win now that you? Because you watch the Bucks and you're kind of off the Bucks train. Are you back on, or are you on the West now? Where, where are you at? I want to know. <laughs> so I, I'm definitely off the Bucks train. I think to be totally honest, I will. I can keep with my pick just to keep it consistent and not change my mind. No, that's lame. Mid bubble. No, bubble definitely is giving us some leeway on changing teams. Yeah, I do think that all of the teams everybody was so high on in the Western Conference, they're looking a little bit questionable. Like, they look like they could be beat. And some of the Eastern Conference teams are looking extremely strong, be it they are maybe facing some weaker opponents than some of, like, the one or two seeds or even three or four seeds are facing in the Western Conference. So I still think, like, the Western Conference might be the favorite, but I do think, like, between the Raptors, the Celtics, and I'm going to keep the Bucks in there. Okay. Like they're looking extremely strong now. I mean, the Bucks didn't for a second there, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be a much tougher matchup when it comes to the finals than people probably anticipated. I think a lot of people thought like the Lakers or the Clippers were just going to come in and bulldoze everybody, but it's clearly not happening that way. So, so who do you have if you were going to pick right now after watching oh. kind of the Western Conference playoffs take place? Mm-hmm. Who do you think has a great chance coming out of there and winning? I'm going to give my underdog pick, and I'm going to give probably my, like, logical pick. Okay. All right. I like that. So my underdog pick for the Western Conference is the Mavs. Okay. Because I think that they're showing some really great grit. Oh, I don't know, go because what about the Rockets? Man, this is... Right? Tough. Or the Blazers. I mean, you keep forgetting about them. I know. But I think the logical pick will probably still be the Lakers. Okay. Just because they've been able to turn it on a bit um, against the Blazers, who's a really good team. So I'm going to pick them as, like, maybe the favorite out of the Western Conference, and I still think I'll stick with the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, but I do think that there's some really tough competition. What do you think? I'm going to go with two very random teams. Okay. I just talked my way around that and didn't give you a straight answer. I know. That's okay. why I'm just going to go very two random teams. Okay. But I will say probably the most logical, I think still at this point, probably has to be one of the L.A. teams. Yeah. Just because... If you look at their roster, if you look at the kind of stars on their team, their coaching, they should be able to right the ship. Yeah. But with that being said, I want to talk about Houston, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about Utah now. Oh, true. I, I mean, they're looking good. The way that Utah has played in a series against a team like Denver yeah. gives me a lot of confidence to say that they actually have a great shot this year in the bubble to make a run. They do have a really good shot. That's a good point because... They have all the pieces. They are one of the teams that I think has a really good player at each position. If like you I think, think about there's it, like usually like a piece missing from a lot of teams, but they have somebody really great at every position. And maybe they feel like a bit like not vengeance because they're kind of the ones who like started the break. <laughs> but you know, like maybe they're just feeling like they really need to circle back and be really good. Because they created the break to be. Hey, guys, we gave you COVID. Oh, by the way, we're going to take your championship trophy this year, too. (laughs) Yeah. Great year. Great year. But no, I agree. I think Utah is slept on. They're young. They're hungry. They have a good coach. So I think that they actually have a good shot this year. Random. You would never hear me saying that. And then I want to talk about Houston because if Westbrook can come back, they're scary. Yeah. They're very dangerous. Let me pose one more question for you before we wrap this up. Okay. Because I was thinking about it. Especially with Porzingis, who didn't play, Russ, who didn't play, and both of those teams had pretty good wins. Obviously, I mean, Houston didn't win their last, latest game. But they went to OT. Yeah, and they won the two games prior to that. 
Do you think that playoff teams actually play better without one of their stars in? I think, hmm, that's a good question. I think that there has to be two stars on the team. Yeah. I don't think that your star cannot play and the rest of your team will, you know, pick up the, the slack. Right. I think there has to be two stars. So, for example, you're seeing it like you just poised the question, the maps. Kristoff's was out. You had Luca play fantastic. Maybe one of his best games in the playoffs yet. Maybe one of his best games this season yet. Yeah. Um, and of so career. Of his career, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Maybe not career, but potentially. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a great point. And then also you're seeing Harden yeah. actually be a playoff Harden and play fantastic. He's been playing good defense. He's been playing great offense. He's getting getting his team involved. And so I think that that's a, that's a fantastic point to bring up. But I will say in terms of like the Clippers. Yeah. If Kawhi doesn't play a game... I do not have faith or confidence in Paul George at this point in time. But what about vice versa? If Paul George doesn't play, do you have faith in Kawhi? I do. Yeah, so I just think that... Well, points, I mean, you've pretty much seen that. No offense to Paul George. Yeah, he's not really showing up. So I think it does depend on which one is out. I think that there is also, like, the safety net effect. So I think with, like, the example of Harden, he has not been, quote-unquote, playoff Harden before because he doesn't have the safety net of knowing another star can come in and help him in a few games. Yeah. I think he has a safety net of knowing... Like, hey, I just have to play really well for a few games, then we get rust back and we'll be good. Um, same thing with Luca. He's like, man, I just really have to play really hard in this yeah, game. Yeah, if I can even the series out yeah. with Kristaps and, and he then, comes back. I mean, right, and then we have Kristaps yeah. who can come back and we'll be strong again. Like, I think there's, like, the safety net effect. Yeah, so just an interesting question I thought of. Um, let us know on GG Talk Sports what you think, but we'll see what happens with these two games, and hopefully those two stars come back anyways. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up our discussion or debate on the NBA playoffs round one. We hope that you guys enjoyed we didn't really get to cover as much as one. I feel like we could talk about this for a few more hours, honestly, because this has oh, been yeah. a great time to enjoy and watch all these sports. Not going to lie, our heads have been hurting because there are a ton of sports to watch at one time. It's been crazy. We've been trying to set up like two TVs in our living room, honestly, <laughs> yeah. at night, uh, just to kind of catch everything and enjoy it all. But let us know what you guys are thinking and let us know what you guys are kind of enjoying to watch right now. GG Talk Sports, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And like we always say, please don't forget to leave a rating, leave a review, and subscribe. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually bring back GG picks for these first round series, aside from the ones that have already been sweeps. The ones that are close, we'll put those GG picks up on our Instagram as well and see who you think is going to pull through at the end of this first round and get on to round two. But also, as we always say, thank you so much to everybody on the front lines, um, anybody in the hospitals, in the doctor's offices, in the grocery stores, everybody doing their part to keep us safe during this time. We also hope that all of you are doing your part as well. Um, to keep everybody safe and just stay healthy, everybody. Have a great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever you guys are, whatever time it is, we hope you're doing fantastic.